there. Welcome to Interviews on Between the Pieces, where Tank and DPS go to protospiels, other conventions, and talk to prototype designers and figure out where they are with their works in progress. All right, so next up we have Clarence Simpson at the online protospiel here to talk about his game. Hello. Hello. So, what brings you to protospiel? Uh, well, so this is... Um... I had uh, just started getting into game design seriously last year, 2019. Oh, wow. And 2020 was going to be my big year where I was going to start going to all the big cons and doing all the networking and meeting people and pitching games and everything like that. And that is not happening. So um, this seems to be the closest thing to that kind of experience where, you know, everybody's in, interested in game design and getting together and spending a whole weekend together. So yeah. that's kind of why I'm here. Well, one kind of cool thing, I know we've been doing the con scene for a while, that we've seen with this kind of method is you get to talk to a lot of the big wigs and stuff like that that you would only see at, you know, an Origins or a Gen Con, but it's mm -hmm. really easy to meet them in places like this. Because right, nobody right. has to pay for airfare and hotel. Yeah. yeah so in a cool. way, it's almost a great opportunity for up-and-comers like you. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> so being an up-and-comer, what are you working on? Uh, so I've got a couple of games in the pipeline. Uh, one of the ones uh, that I've, I've been working on is pretty close to done, I would say, uh, is called Ye Old Magic Shop. Okay. Uh, it's a polyhedral roll-and-write game um, about running a magic item shop in a fantasy world. Ooh. Now you're saying polyhedral. Go ahead and uh, explain that a little bit more. Sure. So most roll and rights use just standard six-sided dice, mm -hmm. and uh, this game actually uses uh, other kinds of dice, so like four-sided, six, eight, and ten-sided dice. Okay. Uh, oh, no twenty. Usually, uh, no twenties. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that's more common in RPGs and stuff, um, but it's fairly rare within the the roll and write space. So I know it's early on in the convention. Have you gotten any play tests of it yet? No, I haven't got any play tests yet. Um, I've just been, been kind of hanging out mostly today and doing uh, play testing of other people's stuff. But um, later on this weekend, I'm sure I will. So what are you looking to get out of these play tests in an almost done game? Yeah, I'm mainly um, trying to get uh, some more feedback about kind of how to make this more uh, appealing to publishers, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of, like, most of the people that play this game really like this game, and I'm just trying to figure out how to get a publisher interested in it. Because I had one publisher, actually, uh, from PAX Unplugged last year, evaluate it, told me they loved the game, but just couldn't figure out how to make it into a product that would sell. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the things I'm trying to figure out is what I can change without hopefully, you know, ripping out what I feel like is the soul of the game. Yeah, you don't um, want to do that. Right. Well, how about this? Give me your 15-second elevator, give me the hook of this thing. How sure. are you going to get them to... Yeah, I mean, so the, the game, uh, you're you're playing a uh, magic item shopkeeper in a mm -hmm. fantasy world, and you have customers that are looking for specific magic items. Uh, so the magic items are a um, you know combination of some magic encha enchantments and some sort of item, armor, or weapon, or whatever. Um, and uh, the trick with it is that the customers are impatient, and if they can't find your uh, the item they're looking for at your store, they're going to go to another store. And the way that works is that there's cards. Uh, the customers are cards in front of you, and they rotate around the board, or around the table, I should say, um, throughout the game. So you have like a limited amount of time to um, 
complete any customer's order and you can kind of see what's coming your way if you look down the the table at the person next to, next mm-hmm. to you. Okay, interesting. So what hurdles have you seen so far with your game that you've had to overcome? Um, I would say, I mean, the biggest thing, like as I kind of already said, was just getting um, publishers to, to take notice of it, I think. Okay. Or do you mean actually with the design of the like game? Like the design, yeah. For people who are, you know, working on games, you know, what kind of hurdle did you encounter with your game that you had to like work through or do a design tweak or that somebody mm-hmm. said like something inspirational or sure i i would say the, the the toughest thing for me is uh has been like having all the actions all, all the options that you can do in the game make uh sense as far as being able to being worthwhile making okay. every action worthwhile i guess so uh, there was a long time is way overpowered compared to another Exactly. I, I had uh, a couple actions that were like upgrades to certain things, and and people just consistently said it costs too much to do this, and they wouldn't do it. And so I just I, I kept having to iterate on that to get that down to where it was you know a worthwhile choice. Because the more if it's if it's too costly, all and everybody thinks that, then it's not an interesting choice, and you want to have interesting choices in your games. Yeah, and if nobody's doing it, then it doesn't need to be in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's one thing you wish you had known before making this game? Oh, man. Before I started making it? Yeah, basically like any piece of like, man, I wish I had known this, you know, three months ago when I started making this thing. It would have been so much easier had I known this. (laughs) I mean, I would say, well, like, so when I started making this game, I guess I didn't quite realize how many roll and rights were coming out Mm -hmm. uh, in that time period. It's pretty hot Um, right now. Yeah, uh, which you know that makes it just even even more complicated. And and like a lot of publishers, don't want to have tons of roll and rights. They want to have like one roll and right they're selling mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had known that, I don't know if I would have done anything differently because you know I really like what it's become. Um, but you know, just it would set my expectations I think a little differently mm-hmm. about you know difficulty of, of finding a home for it. So if you feel like maybe the market's becoming oversaturated with Roland rights, is there another direction you could take this? You know, I've thought about it. Um, possibly. I, I worry that uh, the changes would be so much that it wouldn't be mm-hmm. the same game. I, it's something I, I think about from time to time. If there's some way that I could take this Roland right and, and make it into a more typical board game with tiles and cards and stuff like that but well, maybe just go like total left field and just do like a completely different type of mechanic maybe something that randomly enters you know stuff or something yeah try and add something else to make it not just a roll and write maybe instead sure right 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 yeah well, i mean it's definitely stuff i've considered so just kind of curious uh did the publisher that you talked to before did they say what specifically about your game was making it hard to potentially market was uh, it, i think they were oh sorry go ahead as i say was it was it the mechanic was it the theme both no they so they loved the mechanics they actually mm-hmm. told me uh that this was they've you know this was the the game they were most excited about after mm-hmm. trying it out uh packs unplugged um so i mean they gave they heaped some pretty high praise on it um but after you know talking back and back and forth with their partners and you know business managers and stuff like that they 
they just said that most of their uh games have some sort of like uh you know component hook or just really cool table presence to it mm-hmm. um you know really cool art on it or, or you know those sorts of things and a roll and write just doesn't lend itself to, to yeah, that sort of something when people walk by appeal. they go "Ooh, what's that exactly exactly because mm-hmm. that's what's getting people's attention nowadays for sure yep. so what do you do outside of making board games oh uh, well i'm a software developer uh i've spent most of my career doing uh video game development and now i actually use video game technology to make uh, interactive kiosks at museums oh very cool can you tell us about anything you worked on uh, sure, yeah, I've done some stuff for uh, the Smithsonian up in D.C., the uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture. Uh, I've got several pieces in there that uh, I've developed. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing that I've worked on in uh, several other museums around the country. Very cool. So I guess since we're coming up close on the end of our time here, uh, is there anything specifically that you're looking to get out of this protospiel? Uh, mainly networking. Um, like I said, you know, I, I had hoped to meet up with a lot more designers and publishers and just hang out at, uh, during the con circuit this year. And mm-hmm. since I can't do that, I'm going to try and do that this weekend as much as I can. Wonderful. I'm glad this is an opportunity for everybody to get together in, in a small way. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking with us. No problem. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to interviews on Between the Pieces with Tank and DPS. See you next time.